Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Davika Preek is a veteran actress in the entertainment industry. She was born to an East Indian father, an African-American mother, and was raised in Gaithersburg, Maryland, known for her time on West Wing, 24, and Sister Sister, and also being a prolific voiceover in video games. Davika has had a long longevity in her career. Her faith has played an in-front and center role in how she's chosen projects, as well as how she has connected her life to others in this incredible industry. In our interview, I want to ask Davika about how she left her journalism degree and potential huge career to pursue acting instead. I want to find out what it was like from her coming from such a diverse ethnic background into the entertainment industry that can be so hard for people of color. And I also want to see what she thinks God is doing right now in this industry. Join our conversation right now. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. Well, I have on someone today who I had the opportunity to see speak many years ago. It really had an impression on me because she represented faith in the entertainment industry, but in the mainstream. And she's you know, if you IMDb or she's been involved with so many different projects and that are just mainstream projects that are real projects. And Davika, I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for being on. I'm so grateful to be here, Sean. Thank you for finding me. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I found you. And I, you know, personally, I've been curating the list of people who go on this because I want people to see those who've been strong, both long-term and also who are relevant right now. And so I'm just really excited that you um, have that voice that that's who you are. So let's get right into it, though. What made you go after becoming an actress? That's a crazy pursuit. Yeah, because I grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I'm the middle of three daughters, and we're all two years oh, wow. apart. And my father was from India, and my mother was from Virginia. So my dad was Indian, my father was black. So okay. that's why my name is, um, I'm sorry, my father was Indian, my mother's black. So that's why my name is actually Devi Kaparik. <laughs> okay, and he and yeah. he he came over here to get a master's in electrical engineering. I grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I didn't know any professional actors. And I didn't know that it was real. But when I was <laughs> well, I didn't know I could make a living at it. But when I was really young, I said, I'm either gonna be an actress, singer, model, or dancer. So I knew as wow. a I knew as a child, like early on, that I was like, I'm gonna do something in the art. I don't know what it's gonna be. And thank goodness I had parents that encouraged, that, that were okay with it. And the one thing my mom said, and she was very conservative, was just make sure you can take care of yourself and pay your bills and that, wow. you, have, and that you have health insurance. So That's I, so rare for parents to be that supportive. Yeah, this is after us. But I went to Syracuse University. I got a degree in broadcast journalism because okay. I, I was scared because I didn't think 
that I could make it as an actress. I just didn't know it. I was like, is it real? Can you really do it? And I thought, <laughs> I, I, Sean, I thought everybody wanted to be an actor. I was like, why wouldn't you yeah. want to be an actor? You know, because, you know, you're visible, you get to act. I just figured everybody wanted to do it. So I started lying and telling people I wanted to be a writer, whatever. But I was doing broadcast journalism in school and I hated doing the news. The only thing I liked was being on TV. Wow. And, and my junior year of um, college, my one of my teachers said, you know, you're so good on camera. You're so natural. People like you, but you're not a very good writer. And to be a journalist, <laughs> you have to be able to write. So I was thinking to myself, well, I don't want to. I want to be an actress. So after graduating with a degree from one of the top journalism schools, I worked in news for like a year and a half. And I hated it. I was miserable every day. This is back in Virginia. I was on a show called the McNeil Lear News Hour. I was the production secretary. Oh, wow. But I used to cry every day after work because I was like, Lord, this is not what I want to do. And I wanted to act. I just didn't know how to make it happen. And so, and I did do church theater when I was younger and, you know, took acting classes outside of school when I was younger. But it wasn't cool to be a thespian. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I used to kind of squash it in myself. But when I graduated, the desire for acting never left me. And then one weekend, I said, I'm going to the mountains to pray. And my dad used to take us to this place called the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia and West Virginia. We used to camp in a tent. <laughs> but I would. I, that's like my least favorite thing to do, but I love that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I still have a tent. I have a tent now in my attic and I still camp. I love camping. Oh my gosh. Most people do. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, but so I went to the Blue Ridge mountains and I sat on the side of this mountain. And I told God, I said, I'm not leaving until you tell me what to do with my life. I was so depressed in Maryland doing what I was doing. And wow. I and I thought to myself, you're either going to stay here in Maryland and die, you know, emotionally mm. die, or mm, you yeah. can take you could take a chance and go go to California. And I kept seeing palm trees in my vision. Like I just and mm. I said, Lord, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know any of that. And sitting on the side of that mountain all day, it was like, was it who was the one that wrestled with God? Was it Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. I wrestled with God. I literally gave him an ultimatum. <laughs> I, wow. think, I think that's what happens when you get so desperate that you just go, you're either going to tell me what to do or I'll be sitting on the side of this mountain for the next two years. You tell me what wow. to do. And I wrote out, as I, as I was sitting there whining and complaining to God and crying and snotting, I started writing different game plans for my life. And the one that stood out to me was, you have a week of vacation from, you know, PBS. You have an uncle out in L.A. Why don't you go out there for a week and see if you can get a job and just see what happens? This, and so I ended up sending a bunch of emails and letters to graduate students, people who had come back to Syracuse and spoken. I sent letters to people and said, I'm coming out there for a week. I want to come out and meet you. I'm looking for a job. I'm, I want to move mm. from Maryland out to L.A. And so I had like a month and a half to send letters, set up appointments. So. My birthday, November 3rd, I came out to L.A. for a week. This is like 25, 27 years ago. I came out here for a week, rented a car, went studio to studio. <laughs> and the last studio I went to the Friday before I left was NBC. I was driving by it and I saw it. And I went, oh, NBC. I was like, I don't have an appointment. Let me just run in there and see if I can drop off my resume. Sean, I, I, I park, I walk in. 
you know, the secretary's at the front desk. And I said, hi, I'm here. I don't have it. She said, do you have an appointment? I was like, no, I just wanted to drop off my resume. You know, I'm from Maryland. I'm here for a week, but I'm moving out here. I'm looking for a job. And so she said, okay, I'll take your resume. There just happened to be this guy standing in the lobby, tall black man named Al Harper. And he looked at me and he said, what what are you doing? I said, I'm dropping off my resume. What does it look like I'm doing? And I had a, <laughs> I had an attitude. And he said, do you really think you're going to get a job that way? I said, well, I don't really have a choice, do I? Because this is all I have right now. And he just looked at me and he said, come with me. And, and Sean, he took me around to every show that was shooting on the NBC lot at that time. Oh, my gosh. It was Phil Donahue. It was Classic Concentration, Santa Barbara. Uh, days of our lives. He took me to every, every oh set God. that was shooting at NBC studios in Burbank. And I just went, Oh my gosh, this is nothing but God. And so the last place he took me was this, was the page, was the page program. And I didn't even know what that was. You, you know, the pages they'd see people and yeah. you take yeah. studio tours. And he introduced me to this guy, Bill, who was the second in command. And Bill said, I really like you. I'm going to send you back over to human resources and take a test, a typing test. I said, oh, great. So I go back over there. I take and it is like 530 at night on a Friday night. Don't have an appointment. Mm. Take a test. I leave my plane leaves the next day to go back to Maryland. I take the <laughs> test. They're like, well, we like you. You seem like you're very qualified. You know, you came out of a great school. We'll let you know if we have an opening. I said, great. So I get on the plane the next day, I go back. I'm like, wow, that was really a great trip. And I don't know what's going to happen. It's November. If I don't get anything, I'm going to take the $500 I've saved and I'm going to move out to LA anyway in January. I had already purposed in my mind, you have to go for it, you know? Wow. And so you were going to go for it no matter what. I, I just made a decision. I said, Devika, you just have to go. Because if you stay in, you're, my choice was you stay in Maryland, you die. You go to LA, you never know. But at that point, I was so depressed about where my life was, and I didn't like what I was doing. Yeah. So, Sean, I get back to, to back. I'm back at work. I get a call from NBC Studios in LA. They said, we have an opening for you. We want you to come. And your start date will be December 13th. It was now November 12th or 13th. Oh, my gosh. It was so fast. I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, when I tell you... I just saw God move in such an amazing way. And I knew it was him. And I knew he opened a door. And I knew he had a job for me. It was an 18-month program. I gave my two weeks notice. I was so excited. <laughs> I can imagine. You're like, look what the Lord's done. This yeah. Is it. I packed my Toyota Celica. My mom rode with me halfway across the country. She, she couldn't drive a stick. She called in sick to her job. And we were like, I was like, okay, mom, step on the, step on the gear, step on the gear. And then I'd try and change it. So I dro <laughs> drove out oh here. God. I stayed with my dad's brother, who's East India. I stayed with my uncle and my cousins for like three months was in the page program, did that, studied at, jumped into acting. And that's, that's how I started. It's <laughs> literally how I started. That's, I love that story though, because I feel like so many people feel that sense of God to go do something in the entertainment industry. But I love the practical side too, where you, you just went to studios and like submitted your resume. And I feel like a lot of people take out the practical yeah. in their faith journey with God. And they just, they do a lot of waiting or like they get frustrated because they expect 
you know, God to do what he did for Moses and the children of Israel and just right. like come out of heaven and bring some tablets down or something. And I love that God did that when you took some steps. Right. It's so profound. So, so you're here, you start acting or you start actually pursuing acting. What does that look like in that in those days? Like, what did it look like for you? Well, I started, so I had a roommate. I always kept my expenses low because I'm part Indian. So I always knew, and my dad, <laughs> my dad drilled into my sister's our, our head. He would say, you know, do not have debt. Do not have debt. Do not have That's debt. Awesome. So I always thought, oh gosh, I moved down here and I had like $3,000 worth of debt on a credit card. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to pay this off. And it, wow. this was in the early 90s. And I just remember praying. I had a roommate, you know, I think I paid $312.50 a month for rent. That was my half of the rent. Our rent was $625. And we split it. Oh my it. gosh, those are the days. And I was super cheap. But I, I just remember one year I, I prayed and I said, Lord, if you bless me with $50,000 by the end of the year, I will pay off my student loan. My car was already paid for because my um, stepmother had given it to me. And I said, I'll pay off my student loan, which was like $11,000. I'll be able to afford myself. I can take acting classes. I, you know, just all these things. I can pay off my $3,000 yeah. visa debt. At the, by the end of that year, I was so specific what I asked God for. By the end of the year, I literally had, had made $50,000 and I paid off. I wrote one wow. check to student loan. It was like $10,000. I just paid it off, whatever it was. And then I paid off my visa bill and I said, Lord, if you continue to bless me, I'll just, I will do my best to never have debt. I don't want to be in debt. And then I read this little Christian book. It was like one of those little, pan you know, those little tiny books, the, the pamphlet paper oh, yeah. ones. It was one of those about finances. And this is like in the early nineties and, and it changed my life. I remember reading it and the guy in the book said, if you can't pay cash for your car, you can't afford that car. And I was like, really? People pay cash for cars? Because that's one of those debts that people think it's okay. Yeah. And so, Sean, yeah. the next big purchase for me was a car, was a, my, the, my dream car, which at that time was a convertible Toyota Celica. And I, I saved up enough money to literally pay cash for it because I said that's I did. Because I didn't know what was going to happen with my career. But I dove into the work of being an actress. And I literally used to be so tired by the end of the night. I'd go to bed and I'd go, Lord, I just, I can't, I'm so exhausted. And I was so scared I wasn't going to make it that all of my energy went into doing theater, doing improv, trying to figure out, like people say, you got to get a headshot and get an agent. And I was like, well, I got to figure out if I can act first. Like really, you know, so I started yeah. doing the work of an actress. And I met Denzel Washington when I was at, um, when I was a page at NBC and I said, Mr. Washington, I really want to be an actor. How do you do this? And he said, do theater. Theater is the best wow. way to get good. And he told me to go to like the old globe down in San Diego. And I just, so I just, so Sean, I, I threw myself into the work of being an actor. And I looked at people that were working like Will Smith and people like that. And I said, all right, Will Smith is on stage every week because he's on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and they do a show a week. That's where yeah. I, that's where I need to be on Friday and Saturday nights. I need to be on stage every single week. So as an actor, I realize you set small goals for yourself that seem small, but they're big. Because if you do them, they get you closer to your goal. And my goal at that time was to be great at what I did and to and to and to be a working actor. That was always my go my goal. I was like, you've got to make it, you know. So I love that. I, again, I think so many people who come out here especially, you know, being a pastor for a season of people who are going after the entertainment industry, 
that goal setting is so powerful. And just, I love your trajectory right now of just hearing your story because the, the debt-free thing and then going after it like with real goals as opposed to the illusionary goals where you're like feeling like, you know, I'm just faithing it until I make it, which is basically faking it until you make it. Because it being on set or being, or not on set, but being on stage, like you do have to learn the craft. You have to learn about yourself because there's so much that comes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember taking some, I, I did some uh, light acting when I was growing up. I remember taking some acting classes as a young adult going, this is so uncomfortable because you're not acting. You're not pretending. You're acting doesn't mean to pretend. Acting means to go somewhere that's real yeah. inside of yourself. And I was like, oh my gosh, like some of the stuff I had to face in myself was so exhausting to do. I can't imagine you working a full-time job and then going after it for real. Yeah, and as young, the, you know, right. And as young actors, you know, you're 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 juggling stuff. You're either waitering or you're bartending or you're trying to figure out how to make it work. And every step of the way, I would say, Lord, show me how to do this. How do I make money while I'm pursuing my acting career? So he said, well, sit down and write a list. You know, he didn't like speak to me, but I had this thought. Sit down and write a list of yeah. all the things you can do part-time that won't take you away from your acting career and then eliminate the ones that you can't that you don't want to do can't do and the ones that make sense pursue them Sean I had a list of like 20 things that I said I could sell Mary Kay I could be a perfume model sprayer person at Bloomingdale's I could you know at that time what I could waitress I could learn to do this I could I could do hand modeling I could I came up with a list of ways that I could make money. I could teach, you know, be a substitute teacher. Out of that list, I eliminated a bunch of stuff and I pursued three of those things. And as I was pursuing those things so I could make side money as I was pursuing my acting career and taking acting classes and getting headshots, I literally started working as an actor and never had to do any of that stuff. That's <laughs> so good. But it's funny. It's like tell you- us the break. Tell, tell us the, yeah. I, I mean, I think people hear that and it's like they need to hear like, okay, we need that practical side of us to partner our faith, our full faith. I, I always think you have to have like the plan, not a backup plan, but a plan while you're pursuing it of what you can do and then let God do the rest. Yeah. And so you were doing that and then all of a sudden God did the rest. What was the big break? Um, I, then this is the one thing I would say just in that is that you've got to set goals and you've got to be yes. very clear about who you are and what you're doing because the little things, like I would go, well, I get scared when I'm on stage. And I was like, well, Davika, then practice being on stage. And that's when I wow. set, set the goal to do improv every single week for like nine months. That led to me getting commercials. Because commercial, oh, wow. because, com- and I didn't even know it at the time. I, my goal was to come be, uh, overcome fear. So I said, you've got to do the work of an actor then. To overcome fear, you need to you need to go after the thing that scares you. And the thing that scares me is being on stage. And the thing that really scares me is being on stage without a script. Mm. And so I, I joined an improv group. I was literally up on stage the next week after I made that decision. I thought, oh my, oh my God. And my friends, would, all my friends were like, we want to crash course of fear. Right. They're like, we want to come see you. I was like, uh, uh-uh, you can't, I suck. I'm awful. I can't You're like, give me, give me 10 years. Right. Because doing, doing theater, doing improv, doing anything you commit yourself to is like being in acting school because you're doing it. You've got to get up on your feet and do it. And the goal for every young actors should be to get good. That should be your goal. Yeah. Get yeah. good. And it's the little things that you do daily that a lot of actors aren't doing that will put you, that will make you successful. 
It's the it's the that is so good. It's the grind of every day of the everyday job that's not sexy in acting that you know, you see the person on the red carpet, you don't know what it took them to get there. It was a lot totally. of work. And it's consistent work, like Michael Jordan, day after day, day after day, day after day, you know, Kobe Bryant. But I get, you know, it's funny, I think my first, I didn't have like some big giant break. I just, sure. as I started doing the improv, and then I went out and got agents and did that whole process, and they just liked my personality. Then God started giving me opportunities, and I started booking because I was doing the work of an actor, you know, yeah. to the point that people got sick of me. Like my friends were like, oh, my gosh, get a life. All you talk about is <laughs> all you talk about is acting. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the first guy that I dated out here, he and I were in acting class together and we were driving somewhere. And I'll never forget this because we're both like on this hustle trying to, you know, get our acting careers off the ground. And I remember he looked at me and he said, wow, all you think about and talk about is you and your acting career. And he said, you know what your motto should be? I may not be much, but I'm all I think about. Oh. <laughs> and Sean, I should have been, I should have been offended, but I started laughing because I thought, but I thought that's why we came out here from Maryland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was so scared to fail. I was in hyperdrive working hard at my career. <laughs> so, so it, what would you tell, what would you tell as a, as a person now, what would you tell yourself then? To, to consistently, to consistently do the work and, and enjoy the process. Because yeah. as a young, I can look back on, I hated acting class because it made me scared. I was always, you know, I always felt like I was uh, comparing myself to other people. I'm not good mm -hmm. enough. Those thoughts are all, were always in my head. You know what I mean? Um, and then God continued to open doors. He just, he just did. As I continued to move in a direction that still scared me, he continued to bless me, you know? So no, it takes a lot of not just courage, but it takes grit and what you're talking yeah. about to go to go to that place of saying, I'm going to do this, especially at that time. I, you know, I've talked to several black actresses and just it wasn't easy. You guys were like there was you were so marginalized in so many ways. And so and it's still hard now. But I mean, back then there was like I remember one of my friends, she goes, they want me to be a gangster's uh, girlfriend where mm -hmm. I have to be naked on a bed or they want me to be. Like my agents, like here's your three jobs in a horror movie, but I'm gonna get killed off in the first season scene because I'm black. Mm -hmm. And she goes, or and she's like, tell me your jobs. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like this is. And she goes, seriously, I watched her for ten years, and all of her, she she wouldn't pick those <laughs> roles, but she would get twenty five of those a year thrown at her. And she's like, it's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. But you you've gone through some of that too. You've gone through where they try to grab, um, you know, use your body. They've wanted you to do nudity. How did yeah. you navigate that with God? So I was, I, I auditioned for roles, you know, and as a young actress, and especially if you're leading female, they want to put you in roles that are sexy and, you know, <laughs> and, do, and do the nudity. And one of the first times that happened to me, um, I just remember I had a roommate at the time who was very instrumental in me coming to God mm. and coming to the Lord. And I remember, I'll never forget, I auditioned for this movie. I'll just say it because it's out now, um, How to Be a Player. And yeah. I read the role, I auditioned for it, I booked the job. And the next, and I had a great manager who knew how I felt about nudity. She knew about my faith. And she called me, she said, I have good news and bad news. She said, the good news is you booked How to Be a Player. The bad news is they want you to do nudity. 
And it's just top nudity only. You would just not have a top on. And one, I thought to myself, one, I'm very conservative. I don't want to be naked in front of anybody. And two, I was like, I'm not going to compromise because the breakdown didn't call for that one. But two, for this type of movie, I'm not going to do it. But three, I owe my career to God. And I'm not going to, I don't want to disrespect him. And I said, Lord, you know, show me my boundaries in this business because people will try to push you to do stuff, but God Mm -hmm. doesn't honor you. If Jesus was sitting on the set with me, would this glorify him? It doesn't. And and I had to reckon with that because it's like, well, if I played a prostitute or if I, and those are real people that are in the Bible. And I said, you know, Davika, just take it one job at a time. Trust God to, you know, guide you. If you're doing something on breast cancer, would you show your breast? Like, and I thought, you know, let me just do it one step at a time, you know, and, and for this particular role, I felt like, it, it it would just be disrespectful. So my my manager said, congratulations on booking this big, big feature film through Def Jam. But I know that this isn't the type of thing you want to do. So do you want me to pass on the role? I said, yes. And she said, OK, I'll tell them that you're you appreciate it, but you can't do it because you don't want to do the nudity. I, that night, I told my roommate, her name's Vicky Rice. I said, Vicky, Vicky, oh, my gosh, I got the part in How to Be a Player. But I passed on it because they wanted me to do nudity. And Sean, she was standing in the kitchen stirring a pot of chili with a wooden spoon. Mm. And she stopped and she looked at me and she said, and she pointed the spoon in my face. She said, you, you didn't, you said no to the part because of nudity, because of your relationship with God. I said, yeah, I just figured that if God wanted me to do it, I wouldn't have to compromise. And she pointed the spoon in my face and she said, you're going to book that job. And I said, no, you didn't hear me. I passed on wow. it. I booked it. I passed on it. She, and she looked at me again and said, you're going to book that job. And then she went back to stirring the pot of chili. And I thought, did she not hear me? I already turned it down. It's, they've moved on. The next day, my manager called me and said, Devika, they want you and you don't have to do the nudity. That's amazing. So God showed me, I got you. Yes, I think, I think the way that you've been learning and the way that you even share how you've been learning is so educational for all of us because I like how you even said to take it opportunity by opportunity, because there could be something totally different. I remember a friend who said, you know, I, I would never write, he's a writer, I would never write something that glorified the devil in any way. And the way he said it was like really stupid. It was like one of those religious cheesy statements you say. Right. And years later, he's like one of the writers of Lucifer. And he's been able to make that really intelligent, like really, really, like it, it has a Bible base to it. Oh. It's really interesting. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, you know, I talked to him about it. I'm like, how do you feel about this now? And he's like, I said, I'd never write about the devil or anything about him. I would never do a cheesy Christian show. And now I'm doing this show that's been, you know, picked up now by I think Netflix. And it's like, it's still going, it almost got canceled. It's still going because it's such a fan base. And he's like, it's just, it's crazy. It's like crazy that I get to, I get to honor God in my talent on a show I would never have worked on. So the I never list is really interesting to me because God, like what you said is like, you know, we had a couple uh, friends that were in Oprah's edition of magazine because they were breast cancer survivors and they showed themselves. There's like five women or six women that showed themselves. Two of them were our friends who showed having a mastectomy afterwards. And they said, we felt like we were glorifying God and putting light on this issue and also taking shame off something. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you get into these, you know, these moral conundrums. It's like the, the Bible is black and white, but there's all these gray areas about humanity that we have to learn how to communicate well, even from what God's saying. Yeah. And so I love how you're saying that, just that it's like a, I have a relationship with God that's evolving he doesn't change, but right. the way I relate to him and the way he speaks and the way he shows me things does 
change from circumstance to circumstance because I'm learning and growing. And I definitely hear that from you over and over just through your story, how much you've grown as a person. And, and let's talk about, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit because you've been in the industry now for these years. I think you said 27 years ago, you came out here. Mm -hmm. You've been in the industry working the entire time. It's like, you know, you've been going for it. Like, tell me what you think in this day and age, we're in a new time. Um, you know, we obviously are at a weird place with the church, politically, spiritually. It's been a weird time, 2020 with COVID and then the whole industry shut down to some degree. Stuff has picked up, but it's just different. Like, tell me what in your heart is going on. Because I mean, I think I told my, I'll say this part. I told my daughters the other day, we were talking about Cam, uh, Kamala Harris, you know, becoming vice president. And I was telling my daughters, like, guys, we have the first woman vice president and she's black. Isn't this amazing? And they're like and, screaming yeah. and cheering. So excited. Cause that's all they need to know. Right. You know they don't, I mean, Kamala is, is who she is. She has some hard things. I don't agree with politically. And then she has some amazing things that I do agree with. And we can't take people and just polarize them. You know, like we have to look at and partner our faith to what God could do through them. But I was excited that it's our first time. Like when Hillary was running, I was able to tell Harper who was only, you know, two, she said, can I be president? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, there's a woman running right now who might become president. And isn't mm -hmm. that amazing? And she's like, I could become president. That's a different conversation than 15 years ago. And it's the same right. in the entertainment industry with some of the people who are being picked right now in different roles that they may, you know, have never been picked for 10 years ago. It's like, it's totally different. Yeah. So there's hope, but there's also, it's still, you know, there's so much going on right now. So let's talk about a little bit of the tension of today. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because of Kamala seems so like I posted on my Facebook page, I'm like, do you see the similarities? Because she's part black, part Indian. I'm part black, part oh, Indian. Oh, totally. You know, she went oh, to wow. ha she went to Howard. I applied. I was going to go to Howard, and my dad was like, ah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she's a, she's an AKA, which is a black sorority, and I'm a Delta, which is a black Delta Sigma Theta, which is a black sorority. So we're sister sororities. And then, I, but I look oh at her and gosh. I go, when I see when I look at her, I see myself. Um, and then at the same time. I still always know that uh, as, as awesome as it is, that God's, that God's word is still the most important thing because now it comes down to also values. The, mm -hmm. And Sean, you're right. This has been a really difficult season because of the pandemic, because of the divisiveness, because of, you know, just so much uncertainty, <clears throat> I think, <Yeah. clears throat> for all of us. And it's a hard, it's hard and you're disconnected from people and wh which way is the right way to go. Some churches are still meeting when it's against government policy. Some are saying, no, we're going to take care of our people. You're like, which one's right? Lord, what do you want me to do? Totally. And totally. I think this is the time you press into, and then, you, you know, there's a lot of anger that comes with you know, like when I see certain things happening in the evangelical community and there's a split, I get angry. I'm like, okay, yeah. so, but the, but I have to always go, but the enemy came to kill, steal and destroy. So he's going to go after the church to destroy it, to kill it, to tear people apart. You know, racism and social injustice is a huge thing. And yes, it's a sin. Abortion is a huge thing. Yes, it's a sin. Um, vilifying people is a huge thing. Yes, it's a sin. The mm -hmm. people at the border, the stuff that happened at the border, God said is a sin. It's in Exodus. He said, don't, you know, don't treat foreigners abusively. He said it in the Bible. I was like, yeah. so all of it, there's no perfect, there's no perfect party. There's only a perfect God. So then totally. in, in my private time, I'm always like, Lord, help me to look more like you 
even when I'm when I'm angry, help me to bring that to you. When I feel disgusted that this happened or that person said this, and then I see myself acting out, and I, the only person I can control is me. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? I can't <laughs> fix. So true. I can't fix and change everything. So as excited as I am about Kamala and what and the the opportunities that this brings. I still, in, and this is just me being honest, I take myself out of being a Black Indian female who's very similar to her. I'm excited about what's going on. And then I still sit back and go, what are the policies going to be that affect God's word? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if we don't do what God says, we already know where this is going. But if we don't if we don't do what God says, we do get lulled into sleep and we start to accept things that God says is a sin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. but but there's sin across the board. You know, I sin every day. I do stuff that disrespects God every day. So I can only start with me and go, Lord, my heart is so far from you right now. You know, like one thing I try to do, Sean, when I have the time is I really set time in the morning before I turn on the news to read the Bible. And yeah. something, and like this morning I was reading Exodus. I was like, Lord, I don't want to hear all the details about the tabernacle. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, but just, if you just press forward and set time to really press, and I don't feel like doing it most of the time, but when I start reading his word, it gives me a blueprint for how I live my life. And then as I go through my day, stuff that he said or that I read in the word reminds me of who he is. You know, and it's and it's and he, just like the Bible says, it's a double edged sword. You know, it's a, a double edged sword where it cuts to the spirit. What's the sh- scripture, Sean? The Bible is a two edged sword. The Word of God is a two yeah. double edged sword. Uh, flat, bone, flesh and marrow, bone and marrow, and then uh, spirit and flesh. And sometimes it's the simplest word that God that God will give you, but it changes your direction because you know that that what He said in His Word. Do you know what I mean? So so, true, yeah. as, so as excited as I am about Kamala in this season and definitely coming out of the, you know, hopefully coming out of the divisiveness that we've been through these past couple of years, I feel like it's good, but there's still so much work to be done. And Lord, where do I fit into this picture? And, you know, he's like, glorify me in all your ways, like glorify me and tell people who I am. You don't have to beat them over mm-hmm. the head with the Bible. It was just like with my acting career, my same roommate that uh, just bringing it back to this. I remember she said to me, you don't have to tell your agents that you're not going to do something because you're a Christian. Just say morally, it doesn't line up with me or it doesn't speak to me. Just say that and keep it real simple, you know, because then you don't want to. Because then because when you do fall as a believer, you don't want people. Ah, You're supposed to be a Christian. You're right. It's just morally. It's not it doesn't, you know, but I realize even with. LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, different things, different things, different things. God is, you know, God is a God of all. And and what he wants for us is to come to him. And he wants us to know him. And he wants us to have a personal relationship with him where we can be Mm -hmm. straight up honest with all of our blemishes, all of our warts, all of our shame, our guilt, our confusion, our anger, our prejudices. But if we don't come to him so he can change our hearts, we're going off of religi- religiosity, our our ethnicity, our whatever it is, and a, and in the Bible there were black people, Asian people, there were all kinds of people worshiping God, you know. And totally. when you pe- when you peel back the layers, you know, 
God is the God who created the, he wrote the Bible. He wrote the, he wrote the laws of the land, but the way we draw people in is through love. Mm -hmm. People aren't attracted to. The laws help to, to govern. They help to, or not even law now as Christians, I mean, but the boundaries actually help us to have a functional relationship to love. So I love everything you're saying because it's very connected to personal relationship with God. It's very connected to, you know, I mean, I, I just think of it this way, like every time somebody gets appointed or even raised up in society, I'm looking at it, I'm I'm looking with spiritual eyes going, what do you want to do to them, God, even in their state that they're in right now? What yeah. do you want to do? And we have the conversation with Kanye West. It's like, Kanye is not done yet. And he may be having a weird time right now, or maybe he's fine. You know, who knows? But I know that like something started a year and a half ago that God's not done with. Right. And that, and, and so I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we want everything to have a book in beginning and end right now. Yeah. And we want to understand everything right now. And so we get really upset when we can't understand or when there's a mixture in someone who's not even a Christian or is a person who's claiming faith, but they're not involved in a, in a way that we can actually impact them. So we feel defensive. So like Kamala, yeah. who claims to be a Christian or um, Joe Biden claims to be a Christian, but because the evangelical world doesn't get to meet with them, then we feel very separate. And so we just have massive judgment because of their policies right. and their belief systems. And I look at it and I go, you know, we got to look as, as a, as a believer who is a practicing Christian. Mm-hmm. And as that's a center of my life value, I have to look at people who may not have that same value. And I have to, I have to ask God, what are you doing? And not right. just look for the bad or what they're doing wrong or what the enemy's doing. I have to look and say, God of all the universe, who's a father who created them. They're one of your masterpieces, even if they're not in alignment, maybe they're not. Yeah. And so I'm not supposed to look at what's not in alignment. I'm supposed to be looking for God. Who are they? Who are they supposed to be? And how can I pray into that? And I think that that's a big thing right now to put on the table. It's like, I remember when Trump was elected, half our church is Democrats and our uh, pastors, our senior pastors who Sheree and I helped uh, appoint Jonah and Jennifer Toledo, who have started the church with me. Jennifer gets up. She's so strong. I love her. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I know many of you right now, Trump got elected. And you just are, want to say like everybody else, he's not my president. And she goes, the reality is that not only is he your president because we have God appoints leaders, but you are now his intercessor. You actually have a role to play in his life. Oh, and, I love and she that. Just said, and you can serve it out of a role of legalism where you you hate it. Mm-hmm. And so very therefore you'll have no power or you can fall in love with what God wants to do in this time yeah. and how he can use this person. And she goes, you have to realize Daniel was in Babylon. Nobody like Nebuchadnezzar from Israel. And she goes, and, and Daniel could see the value in why Nebuchadnezzar was king and could partner his faith, but he wouldn't compromise. That doesn't right. mean he believed with everything. Right. And so it's, this was one of those conditioning moments where it's like, you know, we're at a really special time where there's so much emotional intelligence. There's so much new. There's this new benchmark because we've been educated in so many ways across society that like slavery is wrong. Using mm-hmm. women wrongly is wrong. You know, we have the whole, uh, you know, uh, hashtag Me Too movement, that we have the Black Lives Matter, the way we've treated people and marginalized community and people groups is wrong. Yeah. And God's installing something despite the church. I remember T.D. Jakes on his interview with TBN recently, he said, uh, they were saying, wouldn't it be cool if a Christian movement came up and said, you know, it's the new Black Lives Matter, but it's a Christian group. And he said, we don't have enough time to wait for Christians. Thank God God's not limited to Christians. Right. That God wants to use people. And I just thought that that's a that's a big one in the equation that, yes, there's certain things that we are going to fight for no matter what, like life. Life matters. Yeah. But at the same time, we're going to fight for all these other issues that are also important. They're just not the top two of the evangelical world. 
sticker, you know. Okay, before we yeah. before we go too far, because we don't have that much time left, and I want to I want to okay. ask this because I was curious, because you're kind of like I would call you this, and I don't I'm not aging you at all by saying this, but you're kind of like a forerunner mother in the entertainment industry to me. <laughs> because you're someone who's been through a lot. I remember when you were on Sister Sister, you were, you know, like, like just, you know, you've been, you've been here. What do you have dreams for for the next five or ten years for God to do in the entertainment industry? Oh wow, that's really a good question, Sean. You should have sent me that one. So I didn't I could, prepare you at all. I could think I of something really prolific. You I know, know. I think I, it'd be profound, anyways. You know, honestly, I think what I would like to see is is shows that glorify Him without beating it over the head. That are well that are well done. Like message shows, message movies that have hope in them. Things like mm -hmm. Shrek, which I think is so crazy, but I saw I was re-watching like all of Shrek's and I thought, oh my <laughs> gosh. Because right, I said it's such a feel-good because it has such a powerful message. Mm -hmm. about love and seeing past the visual the message and then it's done in such an excellent way the writing was awesome the, totally. I would love to do stuff like that you know that at the end of the day you go you know I, I want to get a, I would want to be part of stuff that that makes people have hope that gives people life that gives people good morals good values basic things that God says in his word that are very practical we're not necessarily yep. beating them over the head like and the bible says you know what i mean <laughs> like like totally. sean we took like i when i used to do this is just a diversion but when we used to do um sketch comedy i used to do sketch comedy at the comedy store and you know improv mm. and at the time i was also reading the bible and i used to think is it me but the bible is funny to me because of sometimes how god talks to people he's like totally and then also in the black church stuff that black people do in church is funny to me so i started going i'd love to do like biblical sketch comedy but i don't think the comedy store is the place to do it because they wouldn't want to see all that <laughs> so totally. when i so when i started working with the drama ministry at faithful central I said, you know, I'd really like to do like biblical sketch comedy, like take stories from the Bible or church things that you see people doing and turn them into sketch. And so the Carl Gilliard, who was running the ministry at the time, he said, start writing, just write it. So me and another writer who's a performer, Dino Shorte, who's a comedian, a, a writer, he and I started writing sketches and we started, we had like 24, 25 sketches and Dino said, what are we going to do? And we're like, let's do a show. And we started doing wow. a, a biblical sketch comedy show and we took themes from the Bible or stories from the Bible and made them funny. Like Joseph, you know, the whole thing with Joseph with the coat and getting thrown in the well. I said, he, his life is a soap opera. I said, ooh, the days of Joseph's lives. And we turned wow. it into, we turned it into a little web series soap opera. You know what I mean? Just the drama of everything he went through. And it was oh over, gosh. it was over the top. It was fun. You know, it was fun to me, but um, so I want to see that kind of stuff, stuff where it's like Christians, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously because God is the God of laughter. He designed it. He laughs. He has joy. And that's the kind of stuff I would want to do, stuff that turns stuff on its head, but it's biblically accurate and it's fun and it makes me I've always loved comedy. And even though oh, I, I do, I do too. Yeah, too. yeah, it just makes you laugh. And during this season, we need it. And so even though I do a lot of drama, my bent is always towards comedy. So I, I would like that, uh, Chris Rock, what Chris Rock says about comedy, where he says, I love comedy because you can say things that are really hard for people to hear for the first time. Yeah. And they'll laugh at it and it'll go in their heart. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like, it just goes straight in. And my wife was going to a therapist years ago and actually we both went to her. She's an amazing lady. And, um, and the therapist said, you know, the couples who can laugh at their problems 
are the ones that I know will stay together long term. Because my wife and I turn everything after if there's a battle after the battle, it turns into fun. We just turn into we joke around, we love each other, we laugh. And I think that there's yeah. something to that as far as in this season. I remember seeing some of the mandates for the entertainment industry for 2021 for some of the TV shows that they're you know they're looking for, and almost everything was like either funny or inspirational or lighthearted. Versus like the last time I looked, I think it was two years ago, and it was like edgy, intense, Game of Thrones <laughs> drama. You know, it's changed so much. It's like they, they're saying the world's traumatized right now. Like they even took Survivor <laughs> off the air for a season because they said everyone's in survival mode. Nobody from America wants to watch that. And they put Amazing Race in its place just to be lighthearted. So I think that this is kind of an opportune time for writers who are Christian to actually emerge with some really great ideas because there's yeah. things that we can do that we – we can have a great representation, but we have to do it for real. So I love that that's part of your dream because it's one of mine too. Well, any last words before we, we close this? I've so enjoyed our time together, Davika. Oh, Sean, thank you. Thank you for giving me an, an opportunity to speak. No, just to say too, you know, I don't have all the answers. God does. I constantly have to be in his face just to get my own heart right and do what Jesus did and Stephen did. And when somebody's wrong, mm -hmm. you you bless your enemies and love those who are you know, who do you wrong? I'm like, Oh, Lord, that's a hard one for me. So I'm very imperfect. And I'm glad that I don't have the pressure of feeling like I have to be perfect to be a prick. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Like I go, Lord, I'm not perfect. You are. I'm so glad you're carrying that mantle. And I just get to be your daughter. Exactly. But, but my thing for everybody is just to be real. God's real. He worship him in spirit and in truth. Tell him your fears, tell him your problems, the stuff you're embarrassed about the stuff you struggle with that nobody else cares about. He cares. That's what I love. And I learned that from Charles Stanley. He cares. And I feel relieved that I have that. And, and trust him with the big stuff. It's because the big, our biggest thing that blocks us is fear. And you can still feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Because God does, is exceed, does exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. So don't. Absolutely. And when you recognize it as fear, address it and say, this is fear. I'm scared. I'm still going to do it. As long as God opens a door, it's okay to be well, human. We'll leave, totally. <laughs> and we'll leave our listeners with that thought because it's such a profound one, especially those of you pursuing acting or the entertainment industry of any kind. Or if you're not pursuing it, please pray for Davika and people like her right now in the entertainment industry who are on the front lines right now, just going for it. You can hear Davika, uh, her voice in many video games lately. She's also, you know, on film and television regularly and so go to her imdb page and check her out and support the movies and the tv projects she's involved with and i'm just so glad i got to talk to you today thank you so much sean god bless you and bless your show thank you bless you too welcome to exploring series podcast with me sean bowles we're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes join me every monday for exploring the industry where we have powerful conversations with christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career in the world around them Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic, where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's gonna change the world through the entertainment industry. 
and we want to invite you into the conversation, please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.